Thank you, David. I actually got an email from Harold myself. So anyway, I know, I know. Now I know who to thank, David. Okay. No, I was, I was just thinking as David was sharing, an elder's job is so much fun, right? You're, you know, we've got all the different things to, to minister to. And again, no, uh, no uh, Adam, you know, hurtful feelings toward Harold either, but it's just interesting how many different things. I was reminded how important it is for you to pray, continue to pray for your leadership, your elders, the deacons. Um, you know, as, as, as you, you may know, this is really like home to us. Uh, and so we thank the Lord for what God has, is doing here. It's wonderful to see new faces, and it's also wonderful to see those who have been uh, here through the years. So uh, I'm getting a little bit of hearing myself a little too much. So anyway, just, I don't, there, thank you. Uh, anyway, just, it's, a, it's wonderful. It's, it really, this is coming home. This is coming home to uh, myself, and Marty, Marty couldn't come this trip. Lord willing, in the days to come, she'll be able to come with me. Um, I was talking, I call her usually every night just to see how she's done through the day. And she uh, told me last night to say hi to everyone. And uh, she's doing pretty well. She's having a few health issues we're kind of checking into. Uh, she's watching our grandson, so I'm sure that her exhaustion level is dropping or, or increasing one or the other. So, but anyway, it's a joy. As, as we've said many times, uh, we have... Uh, several of our grandchildren, three of our grandchildren live right there, so that's, that's a real privilege for us, so we thank the Lord for that. Brings joy to our heart as well as exhaustion to our physical being, but anyway. Uh, and uh, this is kind of out of, out of nowhere. I, I do a little bit of, just a, a tiny little part with what's called Hope Stream, and Ron Hughes, who I know has been here, I think maybe a year ago or so, I was talking to him on the phone. We had a little technical thing we were working on, and he said to say hi to all of you. And uh, so, uh, anyway, he's a dear brother. He's getting close to retirement himself. So, uh, anyway, he's looking at that. But he's a dear friend. Uh, it, again, I just thank the Lord for you. Thank the Lord for your kindness to us, your love for us, uh, the ways you care for us. Uh, it's wonderful. And thank you just for your hospitality of being here. So let's just ask God to bless our time, uh, that he would accomplish what he wants to do only... The older I get, the more I realize he has to do it, right? And uh, to accomplish what, what he knows we need uh, right where we're at. And we're all different spots. So let's just ask him. God, we, we thank you that you are so wonderful to us. We thank you that Christ came and died for us. He paid for our sins. And we pray if anyone has never trusted in him, they might put their, their trust into his care for their eternal destiny. And uh, we just thank you for each one here who knows you. And we pray for, we thank you for each one here. Pray that none, and I think of the little ones, may each of them, may you protect them and may each of them in, their, in your time come to trust in Jesus as their Savior. And Father, just I pray for this assembly. I thank you for each one. I thank you for the leaders. I pray you'll protect the elders, the deacons, and everyone in ministry and Rejoice Club and on the street ministry, all of these wonderful ministries. May you guard, guide, and direct. Use them mightily uh, for your glory and for the very best for those they minister to and for themselves. So we just pray for protection and blessing. Father, guide us this morning. May it uh, be what you want done in your way by your, the power of your spirit. Um, for your pleasure and our spiritual profit, 
We pray in Jesus' name, amen. It was a rather uh, sad, sweet occasion. Uh, a dear, dear saint. She's just a, a beloved uh, saint. We're, we're, we're in fellowship now. Uh, but she went home to be with the Lord Jesus. And uh, I, I knew her fairly well, but not, not super close. It just was the nature of things. But when I was dealing, walk, working with her husband and we were thinking about the funeral arrangements, the funeral service, um, one thing that he said, and he is obviously a believer, he said, one thing about his wife, she always sang. He'd be around the house, be in the kitchen, be in wherever she was at, she was always singing. And, uh, and I thought it was so consistent with who she was. And it, it, she had a wonderful spirit. But you know what? It, it, she didn't always sing because life was always easy. They, they had some real challenges uh, without going into details of things, but they had some things that were really hard, just hard. And, uh, but you know what? She just stayed close to the Lord, and as a result of that, the, the result of singing unto the Lord was, was the outcome. And her life was an expression of singing unto the Lord, of bringing praise to the Lord. And, and then we want to think about that this morning. If you turn with me to Psalm 147, we, it's, 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 it's kind of like in a three stanza presentation. We talked about the first stanza last week. We want to come to the second stanza uh, this morning. Sing to the Lord is how it starts out. Now, I want to read, if, you're, if you get to Psalm 147, I want to read uh, a portion of this to us, obviously. The very part, the part in verse 7 is where we really will pick up. Uh, Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises to our God on the lyre. Now, but before that, I just want to highlight, and just, just a quick reflection. It starts with praise the Lord in verse 1. For it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is becoming. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. And as we noted last week, it, it, it seems that this psalm was written for a special celebration because the Jewish people who had been taken as captives by Babylon, taken into captivity. They were refugees in, in the worst sense. They were prisoners and they went into captivity. Babylon was defeated by the Medes and the Persians later and the, the king of the Medes and the Persians shortly thereafter allowed the Jewish people to go back to their land. These were people who had beaten, been beaten and battered. They were on their run for their life. And, 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 and then as they come to this point, these individuals who had lost so much, lost everything physically, are back. They're able to go back home. And the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. And I think that's so appropriate. That we talked about this some. But I think it's appropriate to remember. These people were broken. They were broken, and, and we know, all. we go through life, there are times we are broken. It, it could be, it, it may not be we're captives, <laughs> but something has invaded our life and we're broken. And God, he wants to heal the brokenhearted. If we put our faith in Christ, that's the beginning point of our healing. Obviously, we have spiritual life, and now, but there's still a process of development. And God comes to us to comfort us, to heal us, to help us grow and mature, and grow through whatever our, we are facing. And as we go through different seasons of life, 
we come to different times we could call brokenness. Think different situations, you know, as we're going along and, and you know, it, it's so interesting. Our oldest grandson now is 11. He, he doesn't live in our community, but he's 11. And I'm st I was saying to somebody just the other day, I can see we're going through a whole new series now. He's going to be, you know, more and more in going in upper grades of school, going along, doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking, now we got a whole series of things to pray about, you know, because it's going to be a whole new, whole new run. There's eight of these little ones, and we're thinking, oh, man, God protect them, right? Well, there's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some storms. There's already been storms. And, now, and I can just see, if the Lord tarries, there's going to be more storms. There's times of brokenness, and God comes to us, and he says, I'm with you, I'm for you, I want to, I want to, re, I want to heal you. And so we, we find great comfort in this passage and reason to be praising the Lord, singing to the Lord. But it doesn't mean life is easy. Life is not easy because we live in a sinful world. It is a broken world and it breaks us at times. But God, he's, he's not forgotten us. He heals the broken heart. He binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. God has all the power he needs to meet our needs. He gives name, names to all of them, to these stars. Great is our Lord. And that's one of the things this psalm highlights, the greatness of God, the greatness of God. And so, we, you know, it's like, it's like a little kid going along through life. And, you know, you got a little kid. And our, and our youngest granddaughter, a little over a year and a half, you're, you're holding her hand, Right? When you're going down, she thinks she can take care of life, but she's not quite ready. You know, but you're holding her hand, so you don't go, don't go out in the street, right? Holding her hand. And God wants to hold her hand to help us, to protect us, care us, carry us when we can't carry ourselves. And God is so great. He can meet our need. The Lord supports, verse 6, the Lord supports the afflicted. And also, he will deal with those who wound us, hurt us, beat us up, and from a sinful vantage point, he brings down the wicked to the ground. God's going to deal, God's going to, and that's not the thrust of this passage, but God is going to deal with the injustices of life in his time. But then we come, we, we praise the Lord, in second course, the Lord supports the afflicted, and we get to seven, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, sing praises to our God, and on the lyre, who covers the heavens with clouds, who provides rain for the earth, who makes the grass to grow on the mountains. He gives, he gives the beast its food and to the young ravens which cry. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. Sing, you know, as I was pondering, as meditating on the psalm, sing to the Lord. I, you know, I caught, caught my attention because I thought to myself, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, li I love music. And, I, and all kinds of music. But sometimes I just like the way it goes. I just like the, the, you know, the beat or the sound or, you know, I love it when these, these guys are up here playing, you know, and, and you got all this musician over here and, and so you're going. And so, and so I can just get caught up in the music. But, and we can enjoy the music, but it's to the Lord in here, to the Lord. When, you know, when you're singing some of these songs, and we're gonna sing a few songs together, sing to Him. It's to, to praise him. He's the, one, he's the one who's to be the center of, we might say, the show. He's the center. Sing to the Lord praises, thanksgiving, because of how wonderful he is. Sing with thanksgiving, sing praises to our God on the lyre. Now, I came across a, a rather technical article 
And it was titled, The Divine Imperative to Sing. Now here are a few points, and this, this person had done research on, in the Hebrew text. And here are just some things he makes observation. God is a God of music. The approximately a third of the Psalms contain the imperative to sing, a third. So singing is something God came up with, okay? Two main words for the imperative to sing, zir and zamar. Zamar often has a nuance of singing with stringed accompaniment. Now, I'm gonna spare you the pain and I'm not gonna play a song for you. But look at that string, you know, this is one of the strings. Now they didn't have it, it wasn't quite electrified then. But anyway, string, so accompaniment instruments. Now, so that was a part of the way God instructed them to bring music to him. The imperative, one, the same writer states, invites a full, joyful musical response to God with voices and instruments joining together in unified praise. God wants us to sing. Now, our, our, our group, our musical group, are gonna come back up and you can come, start coming back right now. We're gonna sing a song together of, in, in reflection of, of, of God's greatness, his loving kindness toward us, praise to him, and we're gonna sing forever. But as they're coming up, just keep on a coming, and I wanna just um, write this, or read this. The divine imperative to sing reflects the natural appreciation of the people of God for the ongoing manifestation of God's attributes and his actions. So we praise him because of who he is and what he does. And we're gonna sing forever, right? So we're gonna sing. So are we ready to roll? Okay, let's stand up. You got, I see you're getting a little sleepy. Gotta stand up, okay? Okay, and we're gonna let these, these uh, lead us. I'll, I'll step down.
Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go to our passage. Look at your passage again. And I just want to highlight two things. That from this passage, this psalm, we thank God for His greatness. We already talked about that. And what we just sang about, His love that is forever, His loving kindness. And if you notice, that's the very last line. If we don't, we don't get anything else, look at the very last line. Verse 11, the Lord favors those who fear Him, those who wait for His loving kindness, His love. Now, let's look back at verse 8. Some of the reasons that we should be thanking the Lord, verse 8, who covers the heavens with clouds, who provides rain for the earth. Warren Wiersbe wrote, the exiles returned to a land that had been left a war zone for seven decades. You can imagine coming back. Everything had been, it was rubble. They needed early and later rains in order to get a harvest. The Lord gathered the clouds over the land and emptied their life-giving rain on the newly planted seed. I was interested, um, I saw a, a documentary on uh, the Dirty Thirties and I, I don't know if you remember much of the history of the Dirty Thirties, but in the, in the Midwest, in the States, uh, there was this tremendously terrible drought and, I, and when they were on, they, when they're doing the documentary, I was I was interested because uh, the 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 center point was it was Kansas, where some of you know I was I was raised in the Midwest in Kansas. It was Kansas, Colorado, and Oklahoma. There was it, that was the center point of the Dirty Thirties, and so and of course it spread out. It was terrible, terrible. The drought was just horrific. And uh, they said, as you may remember some of the history, but the, there was so much dirt that blew. I mean, some of that dirt from the Midwest ended up in New York City. It was just, it was just amazing, these clouds of dirt. It was terrible, it was, it, it was terrible for the people that lived there. Uh, the, I, it talked about some of the farmers and they you know, really were people of endurance and so many of them just stayed on as long as they could. They just stayed and they tried to survive, tried to survive, hoping that rain would come, no rain would come. And for the longest period of time, the dirt just blew and blew. It was just, it was just terrible. And then finally they would lose everything. They would lose their farm, they would lose everything and they'd get in a wagon and some of them would go, uh, some of them ended up in California and they went. But they, were, they just couldn't survive. And one of the saddest things to me, uh, as I was looking at um, this documentary was a lot of the children would some of the little ones uh, would get pneumonia from the dirt, and then many of them would pass away. They just talked about the heartbreak of the parents. You know, you, I can't think of anything more difficult than to watch your baby suffering and, and not recovering. And so it just talked about that, but there was no rain. There was no rain. And so I thought about that when I was reading this passage. It was so important for the rain to come. The land had been decimated and they needed food, so they needed rain so the crops would grow. And that's what God provided. You can imagine what, you know, sometimes we don't like a wet day. If you live in Nova Scotia, I understand not liking a wet day. But anyway, you just think, we need rain. And God provided it. And the crops began, the little sprouts started, and they started coming, and they realized God provided that, those who knew Him. He covers the clouds, uh, He covers the heavens with clouds, He provides rain for the earth. He gives the beast its food. 
and the and the young to the young ravens which cry. Someone said, "Man cannot feed the multitude of animals which inhabit the dense forest and inaccessible heights." I was I was I was thinking about. Um, I was at the Robertsons, and I can tell the story because I don't think they're here. So anyway, anyway, they have this dog. They they like this dog. They kind of they kind of have a love hate relationship. But anyway, it's a nice dog. It's a nice dog. Pretty dog. Nice dog. Anyway, you'll have you have to just jab Ken when you see him. Anyway, so this week I was there for the moment. This week somebody bought a different dog food. It wasn't the generic, you know, it was okay kind of dog food. This is the kind that's covered with chocolate, kind of dog chocolate, right? Anyway, the dog liked it so much that it would pick up the bowl, drag it around, bring it to them, you know, bring the bowl to them, right? I want some more of that chocolate M&M stuff, right? But anyway, it didn't really have chocolate. But I was thinking, let's say somebody gave them the assignment. You can tell them this next week. Somebody gave them the assignment. They have to feed all the dogs in Dartmouth or Halifax. And so they're lining up, and they might line up past your house. Uh, we, we think of the, of the uh, when, we, when we get that all the dogs are going to be on Waverly Road. So I'm sorry, it's going to be a traffic jam back there. Got all the dogs, all the dogs from Dartmouth, Halifax, and they hear about this great dog food. All the dogs are coming in. Ken and Sharon are feeding the dogs. In about three days, they're dead broke, right? You can't feed all the animals in the world, and no matter how, hard you're, how much you love dogs. You can't. But you know what? God feeds the animals around the world. You know, one of the things that's very, very, I saw this. You probably, maybe if you saw the planet Earth, this was the older one, not the newer one. It said on planet Earth that grass, grass covers a fourth of the planet. I mean, grass is a fourth of the planet, and this is what feeds the mass amount of animals on this planet. Even in the Arctic, there's grass. And so you're feeding all these millions of, of animals through grass. It, it's one of the most hardy things. You can't hardly kill it, except there's a little patch in my front yard. Somewhere it died. But anyway, beyond that, grass grows. Now, God provides for all his creatures. That's just an amazing thing. God is awesome. God provides. And we need to remember how big and how huge and caring God is. He gives, he gives the beast food. He provides grass. I, I thought this was an interesting psalm, and I'll just read it. I'll just read a snippet to you. Psalm 104, verse 11 says, He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. And then verse 14 of Psalm 104, He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. God, God provides. He cares. You're just, just God. God cares for his creation. I, I was thinking of, of Luke 12, 24, and I read this, and it's a familiar passage. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Another, another story about my front lawn, apart from my grass, I've got this tree. And when it starts growing, when it you know, starts greening up, it, 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 this year it was great. It just was green, 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 green. Beautiful tree, hackberry tree, and uh, it's 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 shaped nice and it, beautiful. But here, then it grows for a little while, and then it gets the and gets these beautiful leaves. But then this something, some little creature decides this is the perfect place to lay eggs, and so I've got all these little bumps on my beautiful green leaves. 
I'm thinking, go home. You, do, could you find another place, right? Move out. But no, 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 we like it here. We like it here. I don't really talk to the bugs. But anyway, so anyway, anyway, they're all here, right? So, but it was several weeks back. It was several weeks back. And uh, Marty said, I, I wasn't home at the time. Marty said, you will not believe how many birds were in our yard. The birds, it was like we had a sign out, bird feast, right? Bugs are ready for eating. You know, they're at their prime. And so all the bugs, they were coming down, and all the birds, they were sign up, come, come, banquet, eat my bugs, eat my bugs, right? They, they, they're helping me out. I don't know if they'll get rid of my problem. But anyway, it's amazing. God provides all these different ways, even for these little birds, these little birds that are flipping and flopping around, right? God cares for them. God provides. And think of all the times God's provided for us. Sometimes when it's been tighter than others, but God provides for us. God cares for us. Notice what it says. This is an interesting passage. Verse 10. Verse 10. It says, we think we're kind of moving beyond God's provision there, but it says this in verse 10. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. Now that's interesting. What's he talking about? I mean, I like horses. And, and you know, isn't it one thing I, I, it caught my attention oh, a couple years back. In Revelation 19, it talks about the armies in the heaven are going to come back with Christ at the second coming. And there are going to be all these people on white horses, the armies of heaven. I'm thinking maybe I get to be in the army and I get to ride a white horse, right? I'm looking for it. I'm going to name my horse something, Swish or something. But anyway, I'm going to come back. Now, if you haven't ridden a horse, you better take lessons, right? <laughs> better take lessons. But anyway, so coming back on these horses. Now, what is the deal? Does he not like horses? Does he not? I mean, a horse is a beautiful animal, right? No, no, no. He's talking about soldiers who used horses for war. It's like us having a tank. I really like tanks if I want to win the war, right? And so we're, he says, don't be impressed with power that men can come up with. And then he says, the legs of men. You know, you think, well, what's wrong with my legs, right? You know, I try to exercise. I try to walk. I don't really too much. But anyway, but anyway, you think, no, it's, it's, again, he's talking about military men, you know, people in the military and have strong legs and able to, to, to do what is required in battle. He says, hey, don't put your, don't put your confidence in the power of man. Because it will falter. Even, even think of the strongest nations who have been powerful and ultimately they've come to their end in history. We think, no, no, no. We don't want to put our confidence in the power of man, in, in the strength that man comes up with. And this is a passage. I'm going to read this passage to you because it ties in with where we want to go. The king, this is in Psalm 33, verse 16. Psalm 33. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. And this is our tie-in, verse 17. A horse is a false hope for victory. A horse, you know, a tank, an airplane, a ship is a false hope for victory. Behold, the eye of the Lord is, and this is where it ties in with our passage that we're going to go to in just a second. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. On those who hope for His loving kindness. Now just, just put those thoughts in your mind for a second. Those who fear the Lord, those who, have a, who are looking to the loving kindness of the Lord. Now this is verse 11. Verse 11. The Lord favors those who fear Him, those who wait for His loving kindness. 
okay? Notice the Lord favors those who fear him. Not those who are trying to be strong in themselves. Not those who are depending on the power, the best stuff God, man can make up. No, no. He's, he's impressed. God favors those who fear him. Reverential fear. Reverential fear. I know I've told this story, but it still impresses me. Years ago, when I first went off to college, I was, I was in a Wednesday night prayer meeting thing, and... Uh, and it just so impressed me. I was just sitting, you know, it was kind of a fancy up, up, upscale kind of church building. It was, it was impressive. I was impressed. And so, you know, we're sitting, there in a, we're sitting there in the chairs, and this guy comes in beside me. I can see him. I'm getting, my voice is getting deeper. Anyway, and so I'm sitting there, and, uh, and I'm just quiet. You know, I mean, it's no big deal. I'm not up front. And several of us students there. And Billy comes in. Billy had been a hippie. Uh, you know, that's many moons ago. And he rode this old bike, his old, his old motorcycle, you know, like you think it's going to die before Billy gets anywhere. And anyway, but, he, he, but he, he got saved. He got saved. And Billy comes and he, he came to school. Somebody must have helped him because I'm sure he didn't have any money of his own. And so somebody must help him come to school. And so he's at this Christian school. And we're sitting there ready for prayer. I mean, you know, kind of all looking prime and proper, right? And Billy, he just looks himself. You know, he's got kind of long hair and and uh, his hippie kind of past look. And, and we're sitting there, and, you know, and you do what you're supposed to do when you pray. You know, you, you look really pious, you know, and you, you're all like that, right? When I'm looking, and all of a sudden I noticed Billy just went down on his knees right on that chair right beside me. It's just so quiet. He wasn't making a show. Nobody, no, nobody even saw except me. I was so impressed. But you know what that reminded me of? Billy was not making a show. Nobody else knew it except maybe the guy on the other side of Billy. Billy quietly did that. He had a heart of reverence for the Lord. Now, it's not that we have to bow down. I understand that. But our heart needs to be one that bows down. We say, God, you're awesome. I, I reverentially fear you. I, I adore you, but I reverence you. I hope you do that. Because he's, he's awesome. And we're not. We're little. We need him. That's why people need to come to faith in Christ because one day we're all going to stand before him. And that's going to be a moment. If you haven't trusted Christ before then, it's too late. But so we say, God, oh, you're so, you're so wonderful. You're so powerful. I, I bow before you. I adore you. And then, not only do we have reverential, reverential attitude toward him, but we, we, we respond, we receive, we rest in his loving kindness. Look at that last part. Look at that last part. It's wonderful. And we sang about that in the last song, his love. Notice that, that's a wonderful verse. Those who, and he favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness, those who wait. I, I like the way the NIV translates this. Those who put their hope in his unfailing love. One version we read earlier today, steadfast love. The word it can be translated that way. It has the idea of it's love that will never let us down. That kind of love that, that, that hangs on to us even when we're not very conscious of him. It's a wonderful thing to know we're loved by God. Now notice this passage and the reason it's translated those who wait for his loving kindness. It has the idea when we go through trial... You know, if you're going through a trial, usually it's not, it's not over. You know, well, it's like watching a show. Well, 60, second, 60 minutes from now or 30 minutes from now, it's over. And we can, you know, we're all, we've fixed it all up. We can mend and go. 
No, no, life is not like that. Trials just kind of keep on keeping on. So you have trial, and then here you have this idea of trust. You're waiting upon the Lord, you're trusting in the Lord, your hope is in the Lord. You ha you're expecting good things to come from Him. You're expecting, you're confident He's got something better for you. For God says, for God, He works all things together for good to those who love Him. God has something good for us. Now, it doesn't mean life is easy and it doesn't mean it's gonna be immediate. That's where waiting upon the Lord, we, it's trusting Him in the trial, for a period of time, it hangs on, it lingers. We, oh God, get me out of this. But God says, no, sometimes he knows we need a longer run. And so he, he works with us, he's developing us, but his love will not let us go. We're waiting, we're confident that he has something great for us on the end. And when we say, God, I'm just, I'm just counting on you. I'm just trusting in you. I'm resting in your love for me. I know your love will not fail me. I know your love will not drop me. I know your love will never let me go. If I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I am secure. I am safe in the long run. I might have bad days, and things may not go well at the moment, but I'm holding on. You got the best for me ahead. I love you, God, because you love me. I'm trusting you, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting, I'm resting in your loving kindness. And see, that gives us reason to sing. When I know that his love will not let me go, I've got reason to sing praise to him. And we're gonna sing, if you come on right up, we're gonna have a song, and then we'll have just a moment, and then we'll have another one. So we'll let our, our group lead us. And why don't we all stand, okay? Uh, is there one before that? I will sing the mercies of the Lord. Is that, or are we doing the... You get to keep standing, okay? I know, this is the hard part of the service. Okay, when we think of God's loving kindness, we think of his unfailing love, we think 
and we know we have reason to sing. How has God's love touched your life? How has it touched your life? Obviously, if you've, if you've trusted Christ, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you've trusted Christ, you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You've got all eternity to sing of his love, right? We have reason to sing, but also we have so much more. God says you've got all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. I mean, we've got lots to sing about, lots to praise him. And it all comes back to his love. It all comes back to his love. I was thinking of this, I was reminded of the story of Johnny Erickson. You remember Johnny Erickson taught her. She had this terrible, terrible diving accident, paralyzed from waist down. And, uh, you know, what would you have to sing about? Well, God so worked in her life in such an amazing way. And... Johnny has just touched millions of people now with her, her testimony. But you know what I was thinking about? One of the things about Johnny, with her paralyzed situation, they thought she could never sing. But some of you have probably heard some of her songs. Johnny, in the midst of the agony, has something to sing about for eternity because of God's love. And we're going to close singing about God's love.
Let's just close in prayer. Father, we just want to, in our hearts, bow and so thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we are loved. We pray that anyone here who does not know the love of God might put their faith, come to realize how much Christ loves them, what he has done for them, that he could save them. They might trust in him, in the amazing love of God. But Father, for those of us who know him, continue to remind us how much you love us. No matter where we're at in our journey, no matter what pitfalls and heartaches and brokenness, may we be reminded every day that we are loved. And then may we respond to your love by bringing you praise. This we do right now. May it continue. In Jesus' name, amen.